This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. To the difficulties some families face trying to get their children to eat a wider variety of foods. With us again today, and welcome back, is Judith Yebsley. She's a nutritional therapist who describes herself as a picky eating consultant. Her first book was Creating Confident Eaters, and she's followed it up with a new one called Winner, Winner, I Eat Dinner. It outlines seven steps to help children with their eating habits, but she warns the path is less like a straight line from step one to step seven and more like a drunken monkey on a bike. As long as we get to seven in the end. Morning, Judith. Welcome back. Morning, Catherine. Thanks for having me on. I'm curious, you begin the book with the myths and is this just addressing straight off the bat that this can be stressful for parents, frustrating and just getting advice that it'll, that it'll all come right um, can do your head in. What are the co- most common myths around picky eating? Well, um, yes, you, you're right. I think picky eating is enormously stressful for parents. You know, I have so many parents who it's the first their first thought in the day is what am I going to feed my seven-year-old for dinner or, you know, what's going to happen if my child goes to camp? And this is, they've got a five-year-old and they're child doesn't go to camp until they're 10 that's how frustrating and stressful it can be and and often it's a real paradoxical thing because we're told on the one hand just relax and it'll all come good and on the other hand we're told you just need to keep serving keep serving keep serving so on the one hand we're told to do more and on the other hand we're told to just relax is there a phase that most children will go through. One of the myths is that it is just a phase, but is there a phase where most children will be picky about food? Or I think as we've discussed before, they often want reassurance. If, if they know where their food's coming from, if they're involved a little bit in its preparation, what are some of the, what, what's going on in their little minds when it comes, when it comes to food at certain ages? Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there. So, Are there certain phases where a child is more likely to be picky? Yes, because from an evolutionary standpoint, when children were starting in the toddler years to move away from mum, they needed to be safe. And therefore, you didn't want them picking up the nice shiny red berries and putting them in their mouth. And so they did get that little bit more discerning because it was a safety thing. Um, and unfortunately, like a lot of these evolutionary things, they're still We've kicking around. Mm. Yeah. So your child at 18 months is more likely, firstly, to be protecting themselves and going, you know what, don't know that, don't want to eat it. And secondly, they're going through the no phase and finding out ah. where their boundaries are. These things and, collide. Yes, and, and, and who's in charge. And so they want to say No. And they say no quite frequently. It's quite a transition from the age where they'll eat anything, <laughs> which put anything in their mouths, which is different. That's exploration, right? That's yes. using the mouth as a sense. Yes. Um, but all of a sudden we go from anything will go in there to, 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 to the fussy eating stage. So there is a phase. But are you talking particularly about the, 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 the phase or does it become much more acute with some children? And do you work with parents who've got a much more problematic example? So there's a couple of things. So some children never go into that phase because they find food enormously difficult right from the get-go. So there are some children who, from that first mouthful, say, no, 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 not interested. And obviously, for them, there's a protracted problem and that's that's not going to resolve itself simply. Then they're the ones that go into the phase 
and come out of it perfectly fine. And then they're the ones that go into the phase and suddenly it just seems to snowball. So instead of being, no, I don't fancy the banana, it suddenly becomes, no, I don't want the dinner, the breakfast, the lunch or the dinner, and it just explodes. And then there are some children who, for whatever reason, have you know, additional challenges that just make food that that little bit more difficult. You know, maybe they're on the spectrum, maybe they've got sensory sensitivities and food's just really difficult. So people can hear these phrases, you know, uh, lots of children used to be fussy, but now there aren't any more. If my child's hungry enough, they'll eat what I serve them. You know, no child starves. So these, you're hearing these things and it just can pile on the, um, the, the, the stress. It actually, is it, is that one of the things you need to deal with up front, with yourself and your child, that it can become a battleground, that there's actual fear around the whole process? And is there a way you can address that right at the start? Um, there's definitely fear. And, there, and there's, there's fear and there's discomfort. I think discomfort's a really good way to think about it. So if somebody put a plate full of raw chicken in front of you, nothing would get you to eat that raw chicken because it's disgusting and so for a lot of children they look down at their plate and it doesn't matter that it's a you know that it's something that you think is is really appealing they look at it and they see raw chicken spiders whatever it might be and so it's really important that as a parent we we build that comfort for them so the new book builds on the earlier one creating confident eaters and what's different what's what's Um, the approach you're taking here that builds on the earlier one. Okay, so this one is the seven simple steps to success. So what it does is work through my seven simple... There's actually over... There's 30 to 40 steps to eating, would you believe? But I've distilled it down to seven. And so step one's on on the table and step seven is eating. But there's a lot of things that happen in between that build that comfort level that get us to that step seven. And unfortunately, as a society, what we've done is we've set up the expectation that we go from step two on the plate to step seven eating. Now, that's not logical for a child that has any sort of discomfort around food. Plonking the carrot down and then having the expectation of them eating it is not realistic. It also sets up sort of a binary win-lose situation because if they eat the carrot, tick, we've won. If they don't eat the carrot, carrot, sorry, it's a fail. But actually, there's all those steps in between that we need to work, work through. And if we know that our child, if they're touching that carrot, they've made a step forward, then suddenly... All the hundreds of times we're serving them that carrot doesn't seem like such a waste of time if they're not eating it because we're seeing a logical progression. So what are the stages? What What is it you should be looking for to say this is progress? Okay, so any sort of change in comfort, attitude, approach to the food shows you that things are going better. So if you put the carrot down on the plate and they're like, ooh, get it off the plate, get it off the plate, obviously they're not going to be eating it anytime soon. If you put the carrot on the plate and they go, yeah, don't mind it on on the plate, probably not going to be eating it, that's still a big step forward from the, ooh, get it off the plate. If they pick the carrot up and go, what is it? Again, that's a step forward. If they pick the carrot up and get it anywhere near their face, 
you know, so all of those things tell you that what you're doing is making progress. What age, typically? Is it, is it the full? It's yeah. a full gamut. Yeah. So, so I mean, we you it's you could have a ten year old or a fourteen year old doing yeah. this. You know. Yeah. Do you ever give up on the carrot? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. when do you say other other vegetables being eaten and 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 it's fine? But so this is where there is a difference in age because obviously younger children tend to have that you know narrower diet. You're just excited to get some yeah. mashed banana or you know yeah. um, muli or anything in them. So so let's do a little of age stuff. Let's do that sort of toddler age and again are you sitting are we sitting in the same place as part of the ritual all the time um at, at that age what is it that you're going through to try and get from step one to step two to step three well i would actually be recommending a lot of this stuff is done away from the table right because at the table it's, it's all about environment eating. yeah yeah <laughs> it's about eating you know and we're stressed and we're yeah. like Oh my goodness! I hope they're going to eat it today, mm. and 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 that comes across. But if we're in the supermarket, if we're washing it at the sink, if we're putting it in the fridge, if we're chopping it on a board, or you know, I always say, if you've got an eighteen months old, they can help you do dinner. So you can put them on the floor with a big bowl. You can give them a head of lettuce. They can rip some leaves off. They can wash it in the water. They can rip it into pieces. They can put it in a bowl. They can get some cherry tomatoes, wash them in the water, pop them in the bowl, bring it to the table. Your 18-month-old has made a salad. And this comes back to that age where they've transitioned into what is this I'm suspicious. Mm -hmm. And by being hands-on, that helps ease that, what is this, I'm suspicious. But if you're 10 years old, mm. that's still valuable. Because yeah. if your 10-year-old yeah. is not eating anything, investment is not going to magically get your 10-year-old eating a salad. But if you have less of a discomfort around salad, salad, you are more likely to eat it and more likely to eat it over time. Are children more sensitive to some smells, tastes and textures? Is there, we're looking at what they're doing from our perspective and not seeing what's going on for them. Hmm. Yes, so there are children who are very, very sensitive to textures, very, very sensitive to smells, very sensitive to all sorts of things around food. Food is the most complicated thing we do physiologically because it's all the senses. And so if... If you are smell sensitive or if you are touch sens sensitive, then food is is probably going to be a bit of a you know a bit of a challenge for you. Again, do you keep persevering then with certain foods, or do you accept that there is a food that that kid just finds disgusting, and is there a substitute? If there's a food, and we all have yeah. one thing that we go awful, but if you've got a whole food group, or if you've got a whole set of textures that's when it gets a bit more challenging. And the other thing uh, with this is if we are texture sensitive and we avoid that texture, often we actually become more sensitive to it over time. So in actual fact, in thinking we're protecting our child, we can actually be doing the opposite. And So persevere. And, and so persevere, but there's ways that we do. Obviously, this is, there's gentle ways to do that. And did you know, and this is a this one always trips me out, is that if you are very sensitive to a texture in your mouth, if you desensitize your hands and your feet to that texture, it actually helps. So the touching so again. The touching. So when we go stop playing with your food, are we sometimes meddling with a process that can be helpful? Yes, absolutely. And um, experts now say that if your child never went through the playing with food stage, which is the, the learning phase, 
as old as eight, they they recommend that you go back. You go back. Back. And you go get your fingers in it. Yeah, and you go get your fingers it across in the it. kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not putting pumpkin right. in your hair, but yes. yes, yes. yes that but theory. don't obsess when a child is, is touching or, you know, chasing it around the plate or whatever. That is actually a normal thing to do. It's a part of a progression. Yes, but then we've, you know, obviously... Got to get beyond that. We also have household rules and, you know, mealtime rules. So, you know, there's ways to play with your food. But so much of that can actually be done away from the table. You know, if your child's involved in shopping and cooking and prepping and growing and all that sort of stuff, then they're doing that away from the table. In some cases, children won't even have food near them. Yes. And what do you do? Then it's that going through the seven steps. So if we're not happy with it even being on the table, and that is for some children really challenging, they don't want a food near them on the table, then it's that gradual desensitisation. It's getting them more and more comfortable. So, for example, your child goes, bananas, no, ooh, bananas, awful. But can your child carry the bananas from the kitchen in a bowl and put them on the table, for example? that specific it really is Hmm. just gradually getting them more and more sensitized to being in the presence of in the first instance a certain food yes a good analogy is 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 the swimming pool you're frightened of water you don't take your child down and chuck him in the deep end you take them down they sit on the side they look at it they put their little finger in they dabble their fingers in they get their wrists in then they go their feet you know whatever it might be it's that gradual gradual progression is there a role for modelling? And, you know, we all eat strange ways these days. It's not always at a table together. And is, is, is that a factor? Should you be modelling what you're eating to your child in whatever way you can? Your child absor- absorbs a lot more by os- osmosis than they do by us teaching. One of my favourite and least favourite phrases is, when our child leaves home, they follow very little of our advice and almost all of our actions. So if we translate that into eating, us modelling is probably our most powerful tool as a parent. So this is interesting because often you'll have your, the main part of your meal when you've perhaps got your youngster off to bed because you want to sit down and enjoy it, but they're missing out seeing you eating certain foods. Yeah, and, and I always say that a lot of parents eat a lot of vegetables that they hide it really well from their, their children because they have cereal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, and then they have a huge salad or whatever for dinner, but that's after their, you know, their child goes to bed and their child never sees that. So our phases are, are getting it to the table, getting it on the plate, maybe touching it or playing with it, um, and then what's the ultimate breakthrough? It's being eaten, but is it again? You're not straight to you're not straight to point seven by that point. What can happen by the point by the time you're seeing a child beginning to incorporate some types of foods, but it's hit and miss? Yes. Well, then it's just a then it's just a question. If you know that they're starting to become more comfortable, what you're doing is working. Fabulous. We just keep going. So you build a comfort level, and when it comes to adding new foods again, is there? A, a wise way to do this that re- that avoids falling back into the same traps? I would say, and, and I teach every parent that I work with this, this, don't think about eating. Think about interaction. Because if your child is interacting with that food, then you are doing everything you need to do for the child to eat that food. So, for example, let's go back to the carrot because it's an easy one. If... That carrot appears frequently on their plate, then they're seeing it. If they're washing it 
then they're touching it. If we put it, for example, on a skewer with a chunk of cheese, which is a favourite food, then they are, t you know, we just, each time we do these things, we're just taking them a little bit step closer to that, that eating comfort level. How do you celebrate success or, or, or measure progress with the child? Okay, so I would be recommending that firstly, we do celebrate because it's a long road and it can be quite brutal. If we're stressed and we're frustrated and we, we don't feel anything's going right, if we have little breakthroughs, it's really, really important to go, you know what, I've done something right, something's going right, something's working, so we need to celebrate that. And, and, and secondly, we, we just need to look at this a little bit differently and not be hyper-focused on eating. Because when we do that, as I say, we're back to that win or fail. But actually, if our child is now in the supermarket going, but mummy, can we try this new, you know, can we try these blueberries? Then that's a massive step forward. You, you probably get them home and they won't eat them. But the fact that they were interested enough to point them out, to ask you about them, to bring them home, that's a huge psychological step forward. It really is a process, isn't it? It's a massive we say, process. We just say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, produce the food, put the food on the table, eat it. That's the stage of life we're at. Absolutely. But, but, not, but not for kids. There's some really good little tricks in here. Um, sometimes the aroma is what will put a child off. And um, one of your tips is to, you can you can mix food so that there's an aroma they find pleasant in yes. there. Could you give an example, perhaps? Well, you know, for example, um, there, there might be, um, for example broccoli they might go oh broccoli no 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 terrible smell don't want it but maybe if we have the broccoli next to the bacon then the broccoli smell is is overpowered by the bacon smell and they like the the, the bacon or maybe we have the broccoli and we have the world's smallest piece of broccoli. I mean, we're talking, you know, you can hardly <laughs> yes, see this thing. But it's there. And it's got a massive wad of cheese on top of it. Yes. But if they're then comfortable yes. putting that in their mouth, yeah. that's huge. And another one is textures, of course, and there's a great tip here, um, wanting a, a, a child to be introduced to mash and pointing out that inside that roast potato or that baked potato, there is the mash. Again, it's very, it's, it's almost like a scientific yes. process these little minds are going through. Like, what's this? Yes. Yeah. Well, but, and it, but it is, um, it is telling our child that, explaining to them so they have a comfort level with it. So I've got a great example for you. I love this. Um, um, a a four-year-old who would only eat chicken nuggets. And so his dad wanted him to eat a chicken schnitzel. So he told him the chicken nugget was like... Uh, the chicken schnitzel was like a nugget that he'd run over by his truck. And the four-year-old went, OK, that makes sense. Big flat nugget. There you go. Stories. <laughs> uh, a couple more just to touch on before I let you go. Creating a positive atmosphere, being relaxed, and, and I like this also, take, off, take away the pressure to perform off the table. That sometimes meals should, well, they should always actually be about bonding as much as the eating. So it doesn't always have to be what's tonight's three rounds on eating. It's about being comfortable yes. in that place and in that presence. Yes. And the other one I love is feeding is like reading. You know, you, we've got to keep at it. <laughs> and... <laughs> and, and um, and you know, have a, have an attitude that it's uh, um, something that gets stronger the, the the more we do of it, the more we persist. It's never yes. just done and dusted. No. no, wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, Judith. Judith Yeebsley, when winner, 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 I eat dinner is her second book, 
and it follows on from the earlier creating confident eaters. It's seven steps and strategies. There's so much detail and so many examples in there. Thank you, Judith. No worries. Thank you, Catherine. It's been great to be on.